Well, good morning again. My name is Ray Stewart. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Mount Calvary, uh, and I'm excited to share with you this morning. I, but first, I want to say thank you. I know uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, for, and uh, I just want to I just want to say Mount Calvary is a very special place. And I'm very thankful that you allow me to serve uh, in my areas of gifting and my areas of passion. Uh, I have very limited time as a bivocational pastor, but, but you've given me the opportunity to serve alongside you and to serve you, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for our staff, uh, not just our pastors, but our staff that each get to serve in the areas of passion. It's, a, it, it's really a unique thing when you look at each person on our staff and where they're passionate and where their strengths are. Uh, and and it, it's, just, it's just neat how God has put us together uh, in the way that he has. So uh, if you get a moment to express your gratitude to them uh, and thankfulness to them, please do. They work and pray hard for you every week uh, and serve you. But today, I get to talk about one of my passion areas uh, as we're working through the discipleship journey, right? What does it mean to be a disciple? And then how do we as a church help you walk in discipleship with Jesus? Uh, we're, we're walking through the kind of the three major steps. And right now, we're dialing into how do we grow as a disciple? How do we grow in our relationship with Jesus? And we've, we've started, we're working through seven different habits that we think are important for you to practice in your life. Three of them on your right-hand side are personal habits, habits that you do on your own, uh, in your own time. The three on the left are, are corporate ha habits. Uh, and then the one at the bottom, confessing sin, uh, is one that bridges both. It's both personal and corporate. Uh, but I get to talk about connecting in community today and something that I'm extremely passionate about. And I think if I look at my life, it's because of how God has used the community of believers in my life to shape me and to mold me into who I am, how he's used, them, used other believers to encourage me. I accepted Jesus Christ as my king and my savior at 17 years old at a public high school dance. Uh, another teenager shared the gospel with me, and I came to faith. And so I went to church after I became a Christian on a Sunday night, the following Sunday night, and I didn't know that you were supposed to show up late, that that's the norm for going to church is you show up on time or late. Uh, I showed up 30 minutes early, and the church was empty. <laughs> the church was empty. So I walk in the lobby, and the lobby is empty, and uh, this gentleman, his name was Neil McDowell, came up to me, and he talked to me for 30 minutes until my friend that had shared the gospel with me showed up. Uh, and I am confident it had to have been one of the most awkward conversations in the history of conversations because I was awkward. And yet he took time to say, hey, you matter. I'm glad that you're here. And I'm thankful as I, you know, I remember I, that, that instance sticks out in my mind as I, as I was a new believer for someone communicating to me that I mattered and then I think about other couples uh, and married couples throughout my life that have invited me and then later Morgan and I into their homes and into their lives, uh, invited us to walk with them. Not something overly structured, not something, you know, like, hey, we're going to sit down and do this uh, long Bible study, but hey, come and share a meal with us. Come and be a part of our lives. And so much of those times and those opportunities uh, have shaped my understanding of marriage and parenting uh, because I didn't, have, I didn't have that. I didn't grow up as a Christian and I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know what it meant to be married or to love your spouse. And I didn't know what it meant to parent, but we got to see and walk with others as they did it. 
we got to see our people, they, they, these couples helped walk us through trials and challenges in life. They rejoiced with us when we saw God at work, and they uh, wept with us when we faced uh, trials and difficulty. And they really modeled for us what it meant to be growing as a disciple. And so that's, what, that, that's the picture of community that I want to focus on today, is really bravely inviting others into your life. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for the number of people that you've put in my life that have just said, hey, we have room for you. Lord, people like Dan and Judy Jenkins who, who invited me into their home and, and, and just showed me what it meant to follow you, to help me understand how to read the Bible. Lord, for, uh, for Dee and Norm Chung who, who invited me to live with them in a period where I needed, I needed a place to live, and Lord, not only just gave me a room, but invited me to be a part of their family. Lord, for, for couples like uh, uh, Scott and Marcy Davis and, and Wayne and uh, Rebecca Jinks, Lord, I thank you for them, that they invited us in just to sit at the dinner table with them to see as they struggled through life and marriage and parenting. Uh, Lord, they gave us a sense of, of what does it look like and has been such a major impact on us. Lord, I thank you that you use community to shape us. Lord, that, that when we're broken and messy, other people are willing to invite us in. And Lord, I thank you for that. I'm amazed by how you work. Lord, today I pray that you give us an a understanding of your scripture. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and draw us to you. It's in your name. Amen. We're going to start today in Genesis chapter 2, and then we're going to spend the bulk of our time uh, in Acts chapter 2. So I would love for you to follow along uh, in, your, in your Bible uh, or on your smart device. The scripture is going to be on the screen. Before we read uh, the passage in Genesis, give you some context, right? So uh, God has placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect. Everything is idealistic, Right? There's no weeds to pull. There's no uh, spotted lanternflies to smash. Uh, there's no uh, leaves to rake up. Right? Everything is perfect. He puts him in, he, God puts Adam in the Garden of Eden. Sin hasn't entered the world. There's no death and there's no disease. And in Genesis chapter 1, multiple times, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, God stops. He looks at what he's created and he says, It's good. It's good. And then he, on the sixth day, after he creates man, he looks at man and he says, it's very good. So with that in mind, let's read chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds, uh, the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. And for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its flesh, its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, a woman and brought her to the man. So as we walk through this passage, that we can make a few observations. First, this is the first time that God says there's a problem. Right? Sin hasn't yet entered the garden. The garden hasn't yet been defiled. But God looks at it. 
looks at it and he identifies an issue, a challenge, a problem. He says, it is not good that Adam is alone. Now, we don't know whether Adam believed or recognized his aloneness. My guess is that he doesn't because most of us don't really recognize it. Um, most of us think that the ideal vacation uh, is to get away, to get off the grid, to have no email, to, uh, to, to have no media or phone calls, right? That's our, that's our ideal vacation or our ideal retirement, right? Let's get away from everybody. Let's live alone in isolation. But God sees Adam being alone, and he says, it is not good that man be alone, and so um, the word here in verse 18, right, when he says it's not good for man to be alone, he says, I'm going to make him a helper. And so the Hebrew word here for helper is azir. Azir uh, is describing what Adam needed. And it's, it's, a verse, it's a word in Hebrew that's used throughout the Old Testament to describe our relationship with God, right? So multiple times when Israel is, is talking to God uh, or talking about God, he is referred to by the same Hebrew word, azir. In Psalm 121, verse 2, it says, my help comes from the Lord. And Psalm 124, verse 8 says, our help is in the name of the Lord. Psalm 70, verse 5 says, you are my help and my deliverer. O Lord. And then Exodus 18:4 says the God of my father was my help. And so this same verse or the same Hebrew word that God is describing what Adam needs is the word that describes God's relationship with Israel in the Old Testament. He was their help. He was their help. And if we think about in the New Testament, uh, we have a parallel in Greek with the New Testament where Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. John 14, 6 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. God is saying Adam needs someone who has the power and the ability to help him. Not someone that's weaker or lesser than Adam, different, but not inferior. So God says, I will give you a helper. It is not good for you to be alone. And so in verse 19, uh, God has all the animals and the birds and every living creature come before Adam, and Adam gives them a name, and yet there is none that is like him. There is none that is fit to be a helper for him. And so God creates woman for Adam. Here's the overarching point. Is we are created to be in relationship. We are created to live, we are not created to live in isolation, but to thrive in relationship with others. First and foremost, with God, right? First and foremost in our relationship with God, if you're married with your spouse, and regardless, we're made to thrive in relationships with others. You are created to thrive in relationship with others. So embrace it. Embrace that you were created to be in community. And I know some introverts in the room are, are a little scared or cowering today, right? You are designed and created to be in community. We know it. Intrinsically, most of us know it. We want community. We long for it. Technology has tried its best to fill the holes uh, that we have in our lives through social media. Some A recent... Um, Internet marketing company uh, research said, showed that nine out of 10 people in our world that have internet access are actively using social media, right? It feels that need. They're, they're trying to be connected. That 58% of the global population is actively using social media on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week basis. And that on average, 
people spend almost two and a half hours a day on social media. Why? Because we have a hole, right? We have a need for community, and the world is trying to offer us something that doesn't quite meet it, that doesn't quite fill it. Twitch and YouTube streamers build communities. Uh, Corporations talk about their consumers as communities. So how is it in a day where we have all these opportunities for community at our fingertips, on our phones, on our email? We have Zoom and FaceTime and text messages, WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram, and and the teenagers could tell three or four other ones that I've not even heard of yet. And yet a 2018 study by Cigna Health found that 54% of Americans said they, they feel like no one knows them well at all. This is pre-pandemic. This is pre-forced isolation. More than half of America feels like no one knows them at all. Carrie Newhoff uh, is a, a Christian leader, podcaster, writer. Uh, he puts it this way. He says, the paradox of our age is that we're never, we've never been more connected as a culture and we've never felt more alone. Community is not just for extroverts or the outgoing. It's for the socially awkward. It's for the introvert. It's for the strong and the weak. It's for everybody. Embrace that you were created to be in community. It's part of God's blessings for you. It was, was, was missing in Adam's life when God said it was not good for him to be alone, and it's what's missing for most of us in our lives. We need to recognize it and accept it, embrace it. But then we need to talk about the solution, right? So, so we talk about the habits. This is where we're saying we as a church want to help you to connect in community. So how do we solve it? First, we have to make a commitment. Right? We have to make a commitment, a com- commit to being together regularly with other believers. Look with me at Acts chapter 2. If I can get to it. There we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So what does committing to being regularly together with other believers look like? We, in reality, we've been talking about it for the last several weeks, right? There's parts of it. One of them is the habit of worshiping together. Pastor Matt preached on that last week. You can find the sermon if you missed it on Facebook or YouTube. It's worth your time. So a big part of verse 42, when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, is the worshiping together, to gathering together to worship, devoting themselves to the teachings and gathering, including, uh, and to a certain extent, the gathering together included and in fosters the fellowship mentioned here. But the word in verse 42, the word for fellowship uh, is one you've likely heard. It's very common. We talk about the Greek word koinonia. It gives a sense of the closeness or the intimacy of the relationship that exists. 
But again, what's interesting is this is the same word that is used in other parts of the New Testament to describe the closeness and intimacy that we have with God. We're to have koinonia with God. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaimed also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The relationship that we have with God is fellowship. It's koinonia. It's a closeness that we're to have with him because he knows everything about us. He's made us, and he intimately knows us and loves us. He cares for us. And that relationship of fellowship is the same relationship that we're to have with other believers. We're to have that same closeness, that same koinonia. And it's not just believers that we've known for most of our lives or for a long time. If you look at the context of chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 uh, is the Luke, the author, has a tendency. He kind of zooms in and gives a really detailed picture of what's happening, and then he'll zoom out and he'll give you a, a summary uh, of what's going on. But if you look just one verse prior to verse 41, it says, And they received his word, those who received the, the word were baptized, and they added that day about 3,000 souls. So there were 3,000 new people uh, in their church. There were, and then in verse 47, it says they were day by day adding to their number. And so the, the sense is that they are, they, it is not just people that they have known. It is people that are new as well. And that closeness, that koinonia, we can't do that in just five to ten minutes on a Sunday morning. We can't. We need more time. It can be started, it can be fostered, but there's more to it. And I think there's three things that we can draw overall from this passage uh, that speak to what does fellowshipping and community look like, right? First of all, it's regularly and frequently fellowshipping together, right? It's just, it, it's just, they did it regularly, every day. Look at verse 46. It says, day by day, day by day, they were going to the temple. Day by day, they were breaking bread in their homes, now, most of you probably don't want me seeing you or talking to you every day in your home. My wife really struggles with that. Okay, that's funny. You guys can laugh. BJ, thank you. All right. But, but it's not just five or ten minutes on Sunday mornings. It's day by day. It's as we're doing life. As I uh, talk to families and couples, and, you know, there's an overarching sense that all of us are busy. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives, what stage of life you're in, you feel busy. And I tell families, it will only get worse. <laughs> you will never feel less busy than you feel right now. It's not, it just changes, right? When, you, when you're uh, new and young and you have a baby, it's those sleepless nights. Uh, when the baby gets a little older, you know, the toddler, uh, it's their strict routine of bedtime and naps. Then they get a little older, and it's sports and activities uh, that you're running around to. And then when they get to middle school and high school, you become an amateur chauffeur where you're just driving them around. That's all you spend all day in the car. Business never goes away. It just changes. It often gets worse. 
And so when we say connecting in community is a habit, it absolutely has to be. It has to be intentional. It has to be something that you commit to, that you carve out time for, that you put on the calendar, or you just won't do it. You just won't do it. At least for most of us, taking intentional time to invest in community gets squeezed out. It's easy for it not to happen because we're tired at the end of the day. We're tired on Friday when Friday rolls around, and we're tired on Monday when we got to go back to work because we're busy, and yet we're more lonely than we've ever been. Connecting in community is something that happens regularly and frequently and with intention, intentionality. It's supposed to be a place where we can compassionately care for one another. That's the second thing I think we see from this passage in Acts is that we can compassionately care for one another. If we look at verse 44, uh, it says they they had all things in common. In verse 45, they they were meeting each other's needs. Now, for many of these 3,000 from verse 41 that would have uh, become believers, many of them would likely have been from out of town. They would be visiting in Jerusalem, and so they would have stayed. They would have said, we need to learn and grow, uh, and so we're going to stay here. Growing up in the United States, there's a certain uh, individuality or independence that is really uh, trained in us, right? Or, or uh, we're taught to embrace that you don't need help, that, uh, that you should be strong enough on your own, that if you men, that if you get lost and don't know where you're going, you do not stop and ask for directions, right? Thankfully, God has given us cell phones with maps, uh, and so we no longer have to deal with that, uh, that struggle in our lives. But when, you know, my lawnmower broke, or wouldn't start the other day, and so what do I do first? I, I go to YouTube, and I try to figure it out on my own instead of going to my neighbor, Bob, who I know will help me. He tried to do it. He tried, when I told him I needed his help, and he couldn't help me, uh, when I asked for it, he came over and looked at it on his own. Because, but we don't ask for help. We're taught to be individuals and to be independent and not ask for help. But that's not the picture of the relationship that God wants with us or the relationship that God wants us to have with other believers. Being a Christian and following Jesus is not about being strong or independent. It's about being humbly recognizing that we need help, that we aren't and that we can't be perfect, that we need Jesus to not only forgive us of our sins for salvation, but that we need his help every single day, every single moment. And part of the way that he seeks to care for us in our needs is through a community of compassionately caring believers. In a ministry the size of Mount Calvary, it's really difficult to know everyone. It really is. In small groups, you can be known and know others. That's why we have them. You can grow in being patient and kind and compassionate with one another. You can comfort and encourage one another. You can stir up one another to love and good works. You can build up and care for one another, and you can bear one another's burdens. Everyone needs a compassionately caring community. Now, like Adam in Genesis chapter 2, you may not realize it. You may not say that you need it, but you do. So commit to being together regularly with other believers, frequent, regularly and frequently fellowshipping, compassionately caring for one another, and make room, making room in your life for new people. You think about the context of the 3,000, right? I've already said it several times. Uh, the indication is that they didn't know everybody. Many of the new believers were from out of town, and their lives had so fundamentally changed that they stayed in town to learn and grow and be with other believers. 
Years ago, we, uh, I was taking our life group leaders through a study. It was in a book called uh, Life in Community. And, and there's this uh, page, one page, single page or like two, two paragraphs in this book that stood out. And this is from five or six years ago that I still remember. And it, it, because it resonated with me, I think because of, how, of the experiences that I've had with other people at the gracious hands of others. But it's this idea that hospitality is not about entertaining. Hospitality is not about a clean house or a nice meal or impressing others. It's about having an open life. It's about communicating to somebody else to say, I have room in my life for you. In a world longing for community, in a lonely world, there are few and more powerful expressions of the gospel and the gracious mercy of God than telling someone you have room in your life for them, that you want to know them, you want to care for them. That will always be a challenge for us, especially in this area uh, in Lancaster County, where culturally we value privacy, where our homes are our refuges and nobody comes in. I'm thankful that so many in, in this church are willing regularly to open their homes to meet together. So how do we do that? How do we, do, how do we help you as a church? How do we as a ministry help you connect in community? Well, we, we really have multiple ways, and it's going to depend on where you're at in your life and your circumstances. Um, I know Elizabeth Lero's in the back, and she would love to talk to any lady about the ladies' ministry for uh, weekly Bible studies or our mom's ministry for, uh, for mothers or for other fellowship opportunities that they're, they're working on. Pastor Matt spoke two weeks ago about grow groups. These are our uh, gender-based groups of three that meet weekly uh, to confess sin to one another, to encourage each other in reading the Bible together. And then we have what's historically been called our life groups, uh, small groups where we simply try to do life together. I'm excited to announce that we're, we're changing the names this year uh, from life groups to community groups because we want to clearly be able to communicate what our goal is. We want to encourage and foster uh, people to connect in a caring community. Now, we don't expect you to be involved in everything. Uh, we would discourage it. Uh, we, you need time to practice your personal habits. You need time to minister to your family. You need time uh, to spend with your spouse. You need time to invite lost people into your lives. But you need community. And community groups are a great way, uh, great avenue. They meet twice a month, typically. Uh, they, they, some groups will do a full Bible study. Some groups will just have a discussion around the sermon. Um, you spend time praying for one another, uh, sharing highs and lows of life and fellowshipping together, weeping and rejoicing with one another. It's not easy. It really isn't. It, it's not easy but, uh, because sometimes people aren't easy. But I'm thankful for people who invited me into their lives, even though I had a lot of rough edges that had to be sanded down, um, even though it was awkward and messy. And inviting people into your life, saying I have room for you in my life can be messy and it can be awkward, but it's how they grow and how you grow. And if you're interested, we're gonna be launching new groups uh, in the week, next month in November. Uh, so starting the week of October 31st and the week of November 14th, if you're interested in joining, you can go to the webpage, uh, go over to Next Steps and then join a, life, or join a community group and there's a sign-up link on the page. I'd love to connect you. But there's two major obstacles, 
right? For most people, there are two major obstacles to getting connected in community. One is you're convinced you don't, you don't need it, right? You're not convinced that you need it. And I'd lovingly tell you that you're wrong. Everybody needs community. You are not meant to walk through life on your own. The second major thing is that you don't have time. And so that's what I want to focus on as we close out. I'm borrowing an illustration from Stephen Covey. He's a leadership guru and talks about time management. And we, we did this without breaking anything in the first service. So, Thanks. Now, in his illustration, he uses rocks. I've used rocks in illustrations before, and I can tell you that they're expensive. But what's cheap is sugar. So I'm, I got lots of sugary goodness up here. Okay, so I got some really, really big marshmallows and some M&Ms and then pure sugar, pure sugar. So what I want you to think about is that these things are the different parts of our life, how we organize our life, how we manage time. The marshmallows are the big things in life, right? These are the habits that we say these are important. As you grow as a disciple, these are the habits. So these are reading your Bible. These are worshiping together. These are connecting in community. The M&Ms are your responsibilities in life. So these are the things that you have, to, you have to do, right? You have to go to work, earn a paycheck, put food on the table. You have to mow the grass or rake the leaves. Um, I know some of you won't. You know, just wait until, the, wait until the spring and all your grass will be dead. But the, you have to help with your kids' uh, homework. You have to put them to bed. These are all the responsibilities that we have on a day-to-day basis, uh, week-to-week basis. And then the sugar... That's the two and a half hours that we spend on social media, apparently. Um, hopefully not, but, but I believe the study. I really, really do. Uh, it's the me time. It's, it's the playing a board game or playing a video game. It's the watching your favorite sports team. Whatever you enjoy uh, doing to unwind, de-stress, that's the me time. Now, most of us, what we do is we do the me time first. We squeeze that in first, right? So... All right, so I, got, I had some fun. I put the fun in my life, but I got to do the responsibilities, right? If I, don't, if I don't go to work, then my kids can't do marching band and do, do all the other activities. They just get more and more expensive as they get older, right? So, so I got to do all my responsibilities. Includes taking them, to, uh, taking them and picking them up uh, from practice every day. And then I got to put in the, the, the things that help as I grow as a disciple, right? So reading my Bible, attending church together, uh, connecting in community. I, so it's easy, right? The, the things that get squeezed out when we're non-intentional, those are the things that are the most important, right? If I don't in the mornings, uh, if I don't read my Bible in the morning, then it is very likely that I will skip a day of reading, even though I have accountability set up, I will miss a day if I don't do it first in the morning. My community group, if we don't put it on the calendar, somebody will say, Ray, when are we meeting next? And I'm like, I don't know. And it'll be a month before we've met, right? I have to do the big things first or else they don't all fit. So let's try it the other way, right? Let's try to put the big things in first. So again, reading my Bible and coming to worship and serving and uh, being in community, Now let's do all my responsibilities, make sure that my growing kids can get fed uh, and that I can give them 
money when they go to the football games on Friday for those French fries or milkshakes or whatever. Come on, I can squeeze a little bit more in there. All right, now here's the me time. And the reality is, if we put the big things in, we usually still have plenty of time for the stuff that we enjoy doing. Whoa, I'm not cheating. That's not cheating. If we're intentional and we put the big things in, we can still normally do everything else. But if we start off with things out of order, then something's going to be left off. We can squeeze a lot of things in when we put the important things in first. And we believe that connecting in community is and should be one of those important things. A community group is not the only way you can do it, but it is a great way uh, to connect. And we'd love to get you plugged in to a new group. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a loving and gracious God, that you desire uh, to, to be in a close and intimate relationship with us, that that, that you love us and you desire for us to know you and that you desire for us to know other believers. God, I pray that you would encourage us and challenge us. Lord, help us to look at our lives and say, what do I need to put first? God, I thank you and I'm in awe of your grace and your mercy that you've shown us through your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you every day that, that you decided to save wretches like us and we didn't deserve it. Help us to continue to worship you with all that we are today. It's in your name. Amen.